This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by my good friend and my partner in sports radio, Barnabas Piper. Pipe, we have uh, we have lots of exciting things to talk about, but uh, I think the most exciting of which is our new coffee sponsor, Redbud Coffee. Uh, I've been drinking it for the last few days. Um, a nice shipment of coffee came our way last week, uh, including a beautiful mug and like a tiny mug. Is that like a like for coffee aficionados? Is there some significance to like the the really tiny one? I I'm not sure. I mean, you know, we had we had the mission to wear like buckets for a long time. I still have mine. It's just yeah. you know, there's only so often that I want to drink an entire bucket of coffee once. Whereas this is this is sort of your standard like almost it, it holds like a diner coffee mug amount. Yeah. But then it's shaped sort of like a wine glass. So yeah, I think it gives you a sense of sort of proper pretense yeah. for for drinking craft coffee, dude. It's awesome. But then inside of that one, there was the like the really tiny cup. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, do hipsters yeah. use that oh, for like? That's the, the that's an espresso cup. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I forgot about that one. I was thinking of like the yeah. travel one that's shaped like a wine glass. Yeah. Inside that, there was a little ceramic espresso cup, which is, yeah. Which I mean, those are those are so you can absolutely be like, yeah, I'm basically Italian. Yeah. Exactly. Pipe, can I ask you a somewhat personal coffee question? Only because I had uh, I had a little bit of conflict over over this one this oh, week. Oh, um, okay. I got judged by another dude for the amount of like sweetener and cream that I put in my coffee. And he he's one of these like I'm not happy unless I'm drinking a glass of nails kind of kind of guy like I got to prove my <laughs> I got to prove my manhood by like grinding up some glass and just drinking that or or whatever. So, um my my question to you is do you sweeten your coffee? I I don't sweeten my coffee, but it's not out of any sense of manliness. It's yeah. there there's two reasons. One, like three years out of college, uh, I was working a desk job and had put on a lot of pounds uh-huh. and realized that scooping half a <laughs> bag of sugar into my coffee every morning was one of those voluntary caloric intakes yep. that I could remove from my life. So I quit doing that. There you go. Um and then I think I just developed a taste for it black. And so sweetened coffee is not I don't enjoy it as much, but um I like to poke fun at people who put, you know, like half a cup of creamer in theirs before they yeah, put in yeah. co- but Again, that's just it's the same reason I poke fun at anybody. It's it's probably just a sense of inferiority or something. It's not yeah, there's nothing sure. inherently wrong with it. Well, and that's that's what we are on this program, Pipe. Inferior men poking fun at other people. That's kind of the the tagline for the whole project. <laughs> <laughs> we we've we've had some fairly smug listeners point that out to us over the years. Like, oh, these guys are so they they very clearly have daddy issues or something. Oh yeah. Smug listeners. Those are we're we're always gonna have those with us, you know. They're our favorites, yeah. Jesus said that, right? You exactly. All, the the exactly. smug listeners you'll always have with you. Exactly. Well, Piper, something that's not disappointing is uh is redbud coffee so redbudcoffee.com slash the happy rant is that the uh it's just redbudcoffee.com and then you just use the code happy rant like one word happy ah, rant at checkout and it's a 10 percent discount off of anything so you get one bag or a thousand bags or mugs or swag or whatever awesome. code happy rant will get you your 10 percent off awesome really good coffee really cool packaging 
Um, they're a great company. They will take great care of you, and and yep. they've taken great care of us. And we're we're back doing what we were put on this earth to do, Piper, which is be in the coffee business. And uh, I couldn't be happier to have partnered with Redbud. But uh, I'm also happy about some some huge NFL news. And uh, the hugest piece of NFL news is that my favorite CFL player, Chris Streveler, worked out for three teams this week. Um, so for me, the, like that's kind of my Super Bowl. Um, the, the biggest news isn't that we have a, a 49ers chief Super Bowl. It's that, uh, Strebler worked out for several teams. If you're not familiar with the work of one Chris Strebler, uh, he will be the, the Taysom Hill of the 2020 season, super athletic quarterback, burned the FCS to the ground when he was in college, um, provided a really interesting dimension for the Winnipeg blue bombers on their run to the gray cup. And if you're a listener to this program, you know that I'm, I'm a fan of all things CFL, and uh, especially Chris Strebler. So good luck to Strev as he works out uh, for several NFL teams. I actually have I have an acquaintance on the coaching staff of one of the teams that he worked out for and, and may or may not be um, working behind the scenes to, to excitedly promote Strebler to this team. So who's uh, which team was it or is that is that? Is it, Dude, you know must the, be secret. You know the cloak, inside source. Yeah, you know the cloak and dagger nature of the NFL. Pipe. Yeah, and and once everything is once the ink is dry on the contract, we'll be able to uh, to celebrate okay. that together, and I'll I'll purchase my Chris Streveler jersey. But um, but yeah, I'm excited, man. Uh, where did he uh, Where did he play his college ball? He played. Gosh, man, I knew you were going to ask me that. He he played somewhere in in Division Two or Division One AA rather. And um, you know what? Let me just look it up real quick. I feel like it's one of those Dakota schools. Okay, because the yeah the I mean the Dakotas own one double A. They do. Like, so South Dakota has been sort of good ish. Yeah, and then North Dakota has won something like nine of the last ten titles. Like they're they're at the point where they need to be kicked out of that league into like grown up college football. Exactly. Exactly. All right, here we go. South Dakota. So you're right in terms of the the Dakotas owning. One double A football. He uh, he was a South Dakota guy. Why do you think that is? Why do you think the Dakotas are so are have such a embargo on one double A? I think it's because the Midwest and the North Midwest has a lot of really good football players who are not elite athletes. Yeah, like there's a lot of really good football in Iowa, Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, et cetera. Yep. It's the same reason that re- this region owns Division three football. Yeah, that's you right. know, like you look at. Uh, you look at like the the Great Lakes region as a whole. Yeah, a ton of great football, but not the guys who are running four four forties who are like six two and two forty. Like there's, it's a bunch of guys built like me who are exceptional football players. You know, it's yeah. like six two two hundred, but they play tight end or something like that. And good athletes too. I, I watched um, I watched Wisconsin Whitewater play uh, St. John's in the in the D three playoffs, and man, was I impressed. I mean, I came away from that game going. I, I felt like Whitewater could win six or seven games in the MAC. Um, they were that good. They executed well. They had athletes. Um, it's really, really good football up there. So, to- when speaking of speaking of CFL, Wheaton College, my yeah. my uh, alma mater, who made it to like the semifinals or quarter semifinals of the D three playoffs this year. Wow, one of their best runs in years. Had a guy, a defensive back, just signed into the CFL. I can't remember his name because I'm twice as old as he is, but. Um, but yeah, but that was. It's always fun when you see the tiny school guys go to any sort of professional f- football league. It's it's fun, dude. It's awesome. It really is. And uh, as if our listenership needed more reasons to watch the CFL, uh, there are a couple more. So 
Uh, June is right around the corner, CFL season right around the corner, and uh, and I'm excited. But on to lesser football things, Piper. We have a Super Bowl matchup now. Uh, Kansas City, San Francisco. It's going to be a beautiful uniform game. Lots of red. Yeah, I was going to say, field. we both know this isn't really a football thing. This is a pageant <laughs> thing. Exactly. We've discussed this in, in previous years. The Super Bowl is a pageant. It's always a little bit of a disappointment, I think. And and part of that is a function of our age. And the the luster is, is off. It, it seems like the luster is off of it more and more commensurate with how, how much they try to put the luster into it artificially. Um you know, the league and, and TV and they, they create this huge atmosphere for the game. And, and I don't know, I think it's just being middle-aged uh, is, is probably why it doesn't measure up. But um, I'm actually pretty excited about this Super Bowl. Um, like the NFL itself, I was aghast at the thought of a Packers-Titans Super Bowl. Um, oh, I was, I was <laughs> nauseous is a little strong, but it was just sort of like a pit yeah. in my stomach because it's just, it's boring versus the team I hate the most. Well, yeah. Boring versus the team you hate the most. And the fact that the Packers were maybe the least impressive 13 and three team ever, um, you know, it, it was one of those teams that they amassed this great record and you went, yeah, but they never really looked good. And, um, you know, it had to come to an end, which it did on Sunday. And uh, and the Titans run came to an end as well. Um, I don't know if you watched that game, but the Chiefs, the very first Titans off in, offensive series, the Chiefs were staying in like a too high safeties look. And I was texting my dad like crazy. And I was like, if they don't drop Sorensen down into the box, this is unconscionable. You know, you can't. Derek, Derek Henry's going to do that thing again. Oh, exactly. You can't play too high safeties against the Titans. And, and lo and behold, the next series, um, they loaded up the box. They went single high. They effectively took away Derrick Henry, and and the rest is history. They did what they needed to do. But uh, and we learned that quarterbacks named Ryan cannot win a game by themselves. <laughs> we did. But another thing I texted with my dad was literally every quarterback looks bad compared to Patrick Mahomes. You know, like I almost feel sorry for whoever's playing on TV against the Chiefs because <laughs> they just it, even even the the best quarterback is going to look yeah. terrible next to Mahomes. Is I mean, who's the most natural quarterback outside of Mahomes that, that you've ever seen, just in terms of – because he's not the best quarterback yet. Right yeah. now, that's got to be, you know, Brady Manning, probably one of those two. Yeah. But, like, Peyton Manning was not as natural a quarterback. Dude, he was right. a genius. Yeah. And, he, and he, he, you know, ran the whole field. Yep. Is it Marino? Man, Marino was – he was great, too. He was different. He had the, he had the quick release. He had the cannon – um, he had a complement of weapons there in Miami when he was in his prime, but you know, the, the thing about Mahomes that makes him so interesting is that he really feels the pressure in the pocket. Well, he knows when to run, um, Mahomes, I don't want to say he won that game with his feet yesterday, but he really like, he, he turned the tide running for, yeah. for key first downs, you know, of, avoiding pressure. The Titans were heating him up. Um, but he knew exactly how to move. It actually reminded me of Joe Burrow in the in the national title game, honestly. And um, yeah, as far as natural quarterbacking, he's got to be the most complete package because Marino couldn't move. You know, even like yeah. young Marino couldn't move. Um, Mahomes is more accurate than than prime Elway. You know, Elway threw a lot of picks and. You know, he wasn't always accurate, especially early in his career. I, so. I feel like looking at interception numbers for anybody before about 2006. Dude, you're right. You're right. It kind of, like the offenses were set up so that the quarterback had to take all the risk. Yeah. You know, if yeah. if if Dan Marino was running 
you know, Kyle Shanahan's offense or Andy Reid's offense, the, the league would burn to the ground. Dude, you're He'd right. He'd make Drew Brees' numbers. You know, Drew Brees is thrown for 5,000 yards and 70% completions like eight times or something. Yeah. He would do that with his left hand. Yeah. You know, there's just, it, it would be pretend. Yeah. Yeah, all of which to say, man, I'm I'm really stoked that Mahomes made it to the Super Bowl. Yes. And, and I know that our, our Titans faithful listeners are going to be sad to hear that. But, um, and, and, you know, there was a little part of me that was excited about, about seeing how far the Titans could take it. And in their defense, I really like Mike Vrabel. I think he's a really good coach. Um, I think their future is bright, although they, ha- they have some big decisions coming up, Pipe. Um, if you're the Titans and you've got this complement of – you know, free agents whose contracts are rolling around. Jack Conklin, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry. Who do you pay? Who do you let go? Um, Not Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. You just Maybe you franchise him so that you get yeah. one more year of of continuity. Yeah. And, you know, and the franchise number for the quarterback is going to be, it's, you know, it's it's not going to be a ridiculous number. I mean, you know, mid-20s or something, which is a lot of money. But yeah. if, if Kirk Cousins is getting 28 and you pay Ryan Danhill 26 yeah. for one year, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Because, yeah, if Cousins is the Mendoza line of, like, quarterback mediocrity, um, you don't want to roll the dice on getting worse there if you're the Titans. Um, which could happen, which could very much happen. Here's a sneak. I mean, honest, honestly, they should go out and try to get like Andy Dalton because I think Dalton, <sighs> yeah, I think Dalton is not good, right? But he is, but his value has been decreased so much, yeah, that my guess is they could get him for a song comparative to other prices. Whereas Tannehill's value is inflated right now, and he's not as good as Andy Dalton, yeah. I don't think, I mean, I, I, they're neither of them are good, right? But if you got Dalton at a moderate contract, you know, for three years, like the same same deal that Cousins got lengthwise. Yeah. And then in the middle, you're like, you know what? We're going to draft a guy in the late first round or mid first round, whatever. And, yeah. you know, find find an option. Yeah. No, I know. Here's a Titans thing that I like. You know, I, I think if you're John Robinson and you, um, if you move on from Tannehill in favor of an Andy Dalton and it goes bad somehow, then you get crucified. Um, so the, like the, the floor on that one is low, at least perception wise. Here's something I'd like to see franchise Tannehill draft Jalen hurts in like the third or fourth round and develop him slash use him in that Taysom Hill kind of, um, added dimension in the backfield role that we've seen some teams using. I, I'm a big Jalen hurts guy. Uh, I think he can be a, a really effective NFL quarterback and he can be gotten, you know, kind of a round or two after the 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 big names in this draft go off the board, uh, the guys that we probably won't be able to get slash don't want to roll the dice on. Um, I think that could be interesting for the Titans. Should they pay Derrick Henry? Knowing That's what we probably, know about running back value or what we think we know. I don't think you ever pay a running back. Uh, like, you know, like no running back should ever get the Zeke Elliott deal. Yeah. Just because, and it's not because the run. I mean, like it's not because the running back does not make the offense click, but because the way that the league is, if you do that, you then can't sign other guys who are harder to sign. Yeah, you know, if you sign him, maybe you can't re-sign Conklin. Conklin's more valuable than Derrick Henry, 
in the grand scheme of value for the NFL players. Sure. I think Henry's, you know, Henry's proven himself this year. He surprised me. I thought he was going to do another like eight games of mediocrity, right. two games of is he coming around? Yeah. And then six games of burn the league to the ground. And and instead <laughs> he was like two games of is he coming around and then 14 games of burning the league to the ground. Um but yeah, I don't I don't think you can give him like a 5-year 100 million dollar deal or whatever it was that um that Zeke got because it's just not how money can be spent in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was, you know, it was funny about the Titans Chiefs game yesterday. And I don't know if you tuned in early enough to see this, but I, I tuned in five or 10 minutes before they kicked off and they were doing the big overwrought, overproduced intro package that they do for playoff games, which is really fun. And they did a thing like comparing the two fan bases and they tried to make it look like the Titans had this like, you know, deep, deep seated, passionate, historic fan base, and uh, it just made me sad. Pipe for all the for yeah, all the reasons made we you miss discussed. made you miss Steve McNair or something. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I, I, well, no, I I, I got in a what, argument's a little strong. Uh-huh. A discussion with a couple people at church yesterday because they were like, "Oh, the Titans are the saddest franchise in you know the what in the history of ever," and I was like, "Ah, ah, 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 ah." I guess I said the Titans are the most boring franchise. Yeah. Be, that you can blame Jeff Fisher for that almost entirely, yeah, and and probably their ownership. However, you can remember going to the Super Bowl with McNair and Eddie George and, and almost Kevin, winning. Yeah, Kevin Dye. I mean, they were literally yeah the free two and a half feet of, That was a cool team. Two and a half feet. Keith from Bullock. Winning, that yeah. was a fun team. Definitely. Yes. So I believe there was some Kyle Vanden Bosch seasons in there that yep. were really nice too. Um, yep. So and I'm like, no. The, it, the problem is that. When you're seven and nine for eleven consecutive years, nobody cares. Yeah, yeah. Whereas you, you look at any number, like Cincinnati is way more disappointing. Yeah, like in terms of just terrible teams. Dude, the Detroit. Vikings are a different. Yeah, Detroit. I mean, in terms of abysmal. Yeah, Detroit, Cincinnati, etc. At least Cincy can you know older fans can be like we had Boomer Esiason once. Um, <laughs> the Vikings are kind of the opposite end, where it's always competitive. Yeah, always disappointing. You know, you've got the Chargers. Uh, and whatever's going on there. So, yeah, Titans fans, you had a great season, unexpectedly. You, you, this is sort of a maybe we'll make the, se- the the playoff season, and instead you you went to the conference title game. Totally. And I do think that they're set up well to build for the future. Like, I, it doesn't seem like this is a flash in the pan to me, assuming yeah. they solidify the quarterback position. Dude, what's hard for the Titans, though, is that the two things that this mediocre fan base actually got excited about this year are the the two pieces that – logic would dictate that you don't pay a fortune to and bring back, right? Logic would say, keep Conklin, let Henry and Tannehill walk, or at least don't, don't offer them the moon. But if you, if you let that happen, you know, the fan base is going to revolt, you know, because they love Derrick Henry and they, they kind of love Henry's at a position where, um, franchising him makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Because what is it? It's a, it's a, it's equal to the top, five percent or the average of the top five percent salaries at the position yeah well other than zeke there's not a lot of high paid running backs that's right true. now that's so true. yeah you can you know they'll pay they'll probably pay him like 11 million dollars a year or something and then if they franchise him again the next year it's like that plus 40 percent. so they go from 11 to you know 15 or 14 or whatever right and even that's not bad and then you get two more years of this and beyond that you kind of look at it and go is he breaking down what's the future of our team did we draft somebody we're excited about right 
that's probably that probably makes sense. Yeah. Whereas, um, Tannehill, I I just don't have any faith in Tannehill. Like the the difference. He's he is just what proves that if you have a professional level quarterback, you can play football. If you don't have a professional level quarterback, you you stink. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about hiding the quarterback and perhaps the master of of hiding the quarterback of all time, Kyle Shanahan. Um, he's got Jimmy Garoppolo handing the ball off forty times a game, throwing it seven or eight times a game, and in. in in the case of yesterday's game, and they're going to the Super Bowl with it, and I, I find this completely fascinating as a like offensive lineman and a and a fan of offensive line play. Like I have a, the hugest man crush on the 49ers right now, in the sense that nobody nobody in modern NFL history like pulls and traps like the 49ers offensive line. Uh, nobody blocks like their wide receivers. Watching Debo Samuel block yesterday was a joy. Like I felt like I was watching. Bigger Heinz Ward. Um, you know, he was trucking people, leading the way for Raheem Mostert. Um, really, really fun team. I don't think Garoppolo is that bad. Like, I think Garoppolo's ceiling is is higher than and than Tannehill's, obviously. But um, just the way that they're using that offense right now seems really efficient. They're not turning the ball over. They're not taking risks. And they're, they're still ripping off huge chunks of yardage. What do you think of San Francisco, Piper? Are you excited to watch them? Oh, I I love watching Kyle Shanahan's offenses because you never quite know which way they're going to tilt. You know, are they going to yeah. are they going to do the thing where they're like, oh, well, they can't stop the run, so let's just keep doing that. The difference is that you know he will adjust. So, yeah. like, I always go back to the Vikings because that's the team I know best. When their run game isn't working, they don't make adjustments; they just keep trying. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. they they kind of go to the if at first you don't succeed, try try again, which is how you lose football games. Yeah. You know, if at first you don't succeed, make a stinking adjustment. Yeah. Shanahan does that all the time. And yep. the adjustment he made yesterday was, oh, they can't stop us. Here we go. Um and I'm sure he had I'm sure he had a whole plan of how to how to do play action, how to do some sort of RPO stuff to to go off of the running game into the passing game and they yeah. just didn't have to. Yeah, he had a passing um, game installed for yesterday. He just yeah. didn't need it. And I, I, you know, you mentioned the uniform aspect of this game. I'm excited to watch these two teams because they're so, both of them are so explosive. Mm-hmm. The Niners average more yards per game than the Chiefs this year, barely, but by a little bit. They're they're super explosive, super, uh, very different styles of offense in terms of you know, the Niners don't usually get the same big chunk plays like you know the the Chiefs can go 80 yards in a play anytime. Yeah. Um. Both coaches are geniuses offensively. Um, Andy Reid hopefully doesn't make any clock management errors. Dude, I thought I he think- was—I thought he was gonna yesterday. <laughs> Again, I was kind of freaking out with my dad. Like there, there was a moment where the the Chiefs had the ball with like four minutes to go, and the Titans had brought it to within ten or thirteen, or they they were yeah. they were within striking distance, and the Chiefs had the ball with first down. And they ran a sweep to the short side, and the guy got pushed out of bounds. And I was freaking out. I'm just like, you had one job, you know, keep the ball in bounds, keep the clock running, make the Titans burn their timeouts. And um, so, yeah, I had a brief moment of, oh no, Andy Reid's going to screw this up, but he he didn't. Yeah, I think I don't I don't know how good Jimmy G is because I think he is he's on the front end of being the product of a system. Sure, but. We've seen before that if a quarterback can run a system almost perfectly, yeah. a quarterback can be great. Absolutely. 
So I he he might I don't know that he'll ever be great, but I think he could be Matt Ryan ish. Yeah. And Matt Ryan under Kyle Shanahan was really good and went to a Super Bowl. So Yep. Yep, absolutely. Boomer Sison, who you alluded to before. Um, the first quarterback to really run a lot of no huddle under uh under Sam Weiss, who just passed away, but he he was great in that system. Um you know, Jim Kelly, I think, could have been great in any system, but but obviously the one that he was in um, in Buffalo, he really thrived in. So, yeah, I, I think the ceiling is very high for Jimmy Garoppolo, and uh, I'm excited about it. One last question on the Super Bowl pipe, and then we'll move on to baseball cheating. Um, favorite defensive back in this game? Uh, I really love Richard Sherman. I know people are divided on Richard Sherman. I like him. I love Tyron Matthew as well. Um, it's going to be tough for me to choose who to root for in this game because I don't have a natural yeah. caring rooting interest in either of these teams, but there, there are players on both sides that I really like. Yeah, I don't, I would, I think I want to see the chiefs win. Yeah. Um, mainly because for two reasons, one is, um, I really want Andy Reid to get a super bowl because he, he doesn't get the recognition as one of the top two to three coaches of his era. You know, like yeah. he's a better coach than Sean Payton, mm -hmm. except Sean Payton has his one Super Bowl and uh, and therefore is seen as, as you know, a level up. Sure. So I want Reed to get it because Reed's ridiculously good as a coach. Uh, also, it would be fun to see Mahomes get it to sort of cement his his legacy on the front end as an, an elite, likely an all-time great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everybody knows he's elite. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if he gets that, the rest of it, the, from here on out, it's just building a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, that's it's right. not proving much. Um, yeah, favorite defensive back, it's got to be. It, I love Tyron Matthew. Like yeah. I love, I love the fact that he's five nine and like one hundred and ninety pounds, and is convinced that he is, you know, Luke Keekley. Yeah, may his career rest in peace, dude. He was tattooing people yesterday, and I'm really glad they. I'm glad they let him play. Um, you know, I don't think any of the hits were dirty or targeting or whatever, but. It seems like every time there's a big hit in the NFL in 2019, 2020, you get the you get the five minute stoppage to determine you know whether or not it was malicious. But uh, but yeah, he's a fun player, man. He's he's one of those guys like you drop him in the 90s, he thrives. You could drop him in the 70s, he thrives. Um, just a football player, you know. Yeah, watching him makes me wonder. You know, there's just there's so much more creativity in coaching now. Like if if Antoine Winfield played right now, mm. would he be Tyron Matthew? Because Winfield was like five nine, hundred and eighty pounds, and the best tackler on the field every time he stepped on it. Yeah. Except that he was basically just a man corner. Yeah. Stuck out there on the outside. So yeah. when he tackled, you were like, Oh, I forgot he could do that. <laughs> exactly. You know? And so it yeah, you just you sort of look around and you're like, What what could they do with guys? Yeah from from the past now you bring somebody like i don't know steve atwater into the league today and yeah he would just get kicked out after seven minutes for breaking you know breaking all the rules but well, dude i think atwater is a mike linebacker today you know what i mean he's he's yeah. 6 225 runs like a deer um you know he's i i think he's exclusively in the box and he, he's probably playing linebacker whereas yeah, john, john lynch is a linebacker today yeah too, probably a really good one absolutely where whereas back in their day you had to be 260 to be a mike linebacker in the league because people were still running downhill between the tackles with fullbacks you know you had to take on isos back in the 90s which is why you had a an era where like levon kirkland and keith trailer and guys like this could could play inside linebacker in the league at 260 270 and above um yeah, the game has changed 
a lot. And um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like DBs who can tackle, like to me, that will always be a source of fascination. Having grown up in the Deion Sanders era where he was widely celebrated but would not tackle anyone <laughs> you know yeah or like the, was it was a daryl dawkins you know fastest guy on the field but his job was basically just stay between the receiver and the quarterback yeah you know, just run hip to hip but didn't have to tackle anybody yeah for sure man for sure so fun to see those guys who will do it so piper let's talk about baseball um i have just re-upped my mlb tv package and couldn't be more excited for the Mariners season and some of the young guys that they have coming up. But I also just read Astro Ball. I got it for Christmas. And uh, it, it's been out for a year or two, I think, but I'd never read it. And um, I, I finished reading that book. And then like three weeks later, all the, all the news hit on the Astros cheating scandal. What do you, what do you make of this? Well, first of all, Daryl Green was the guy I was trying to yeah, think of. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I said Daryl Dawkins. About. That's a basketball player. Chocolate Thunder. Um, Daryl Dawkins. Yes. Yeah. Also great, completely different sport. It's early on. Completely on different morning, body types, too. Yeah. Uh, Not the fastest guy on the field <laughs> exactly. at any point. Exactly. Um, okay, Daryl Green. Yeah. My my apologies to a Hall of Famer. Um, yes, cheating scandal. I... I was fascinated when it came out because, you know, the story broke when, oh, what was the pitcher's name? Um, Mike Fires yeah. did an interview and was like, oh, yeah, they did this. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the thing, it only takes a spark to get a fire going yep. and it and it spread everywhere. Um, and and then and then I see the pendulum swing where people are like, it's worse than what Pete Rose did. It's lifetime bans for everybody. Fire all these managers. Right. And I'm just like, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. It's is it worse than? I mean, is it worse than PEDs? Is it worse than? Dude, right, right. It just people been cheating at baseball since baseball was invented. You know, people built Hall of Fame careers on cheating, yeah. and I don't mean that that it, that it's okay, but I think you have to take it in perspective and go, oh, that's the cheating of this era. Yeah, every era has a scandal. Yeah, um, and. <clears throat> You know, should AJ Hinch and what's his face, the GM, have been have been fired along with Alex Cora, along with Carlos Beltran, since mm-hmm. he what? So he became the manager of the Mets, but he was fired for sins with the Astros. Yeah, I just you know I look at that and I go, I, that's just a PR move. Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's an easy one to make with the scandal in the in the pantheon of cheating scandals. Like the the tough the tough thing about PEDs, and this is this goes back to the late '90s, early 2000s with all the home runs. Baseball really needed that, and the popularity of the sport was tied directly to the cheating. Whereas, I mean, I think if you make heads roll in a in a PR kind of maneuver on the back end of this one, it doesn't hurt the popularity of the sport. You know what I'm saying? Whereas, you take PEDs out of the game in the late '90s, all of a sudden, like your quote unquote power hitters are hitting. 33 home runs instead of 63 home runs. And um, it's a totally different sport that the fans are watching. Um, Whereas this one, it's fairly easy to like make some heads roll and get people out of it. So it's interesting, man, to me, like the, the, the question that I had as I was reading these articles about it and learning that almost every player on the team was involved and it was this elaborate thing with like, wearables and guys banging on trash cans and um i mean it seemed silly and ridiculous like the the thought i had was how in wes anderson movies you always have adults acting like children like that that was one thought that i had but another thought i had was what if i'm a christian what if i'm me 
and I'm on the Astros. You know, like how does how does this work in light of my faith? And I don't know if they had any. I feel like Carlos Beltran or one of those guys was kind of pseudo a Christian athlete, or at least got articles in Sports Spectrum or, or you know some of these Christian publications. I might be conflating, but um, what do you do with that? You know, you're in the clubhouse and this elaborate plan gets hatched, and kind of your career rides on it in terms of being a part of things in your clubhouse. I don't know. Yeah. How, how would you handle that? I it, That's such a good question because, I mean, you think about it and, it, you know, you and I, you and I are both obviously Christians and mm-hmm. played sports and I'm sure both of us cheated. Yeah. It, with, you know, kind of within the, like, you find the limits you can get away with in yeah. any game. Yeah. You know, in basketball, how, how hard can you foul a guy? How yeah. many elbows can you throw? Or can you like arm lock a guy? Yep. Can you, whatever. In football, it's, it, to the whistle plus a beat. Yep. It's you know if if they're not calling holding, I'm dragging oh, I'm the guy to the ground every play. Yeah, yeah. It, the, that's just the competitive advantage is is a thing that every athlete goes for. Um, this this is a little different because it's 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 bringing an outside influences on the game. Yeah. You know, so it's it's closer to the Patriots recording stuff they're not supposed to have access to. Yeah. Um. In fact, it's it's real similar to that. Um. That that feels different to me, but it's easy to see how a whole locker room or clubhouse, because baseball doesn't have locker rooms, they have clubhouses. <laughs> yeah. um, Which is even in and of itself a childlike term. You know? Right. Yeah, it's like boy, little, little boys clubhouse, they have a no girls allowed sign and whatever. Yeah. Um, it it's easy to see how if, like they would all sort of be like gleefully involved in this, like, can you believe we're getting away with this? It's right. working again. Right. And yeah, it, it just and I'm sure that once it caught up to them, they were like, "Why did we ever do that?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, granted, they're not going to vacate any World Series titles, so maybe they're not wondering why they did that. They're going, "Well, it worked just fine, actually." <laughs> yeah, I know it's interesting, man. I, I, I guess to me, and and it worked fine for the players, right? Like this was, according to the report, a player-driven project. Yet none of the players are taking the fall for it. You know, so you've got like. Grown-ups basically taking the bullet for uh, a thing that a, bun- a bunch of these kids did. Kids there's, who are millionaires. But. There's also something... So I just watched The Sandlot uh-huh. with with my kids, I don't know, a week or two ago. Because I'm itching for baseball to start. And Me it's too. my favorite movie. Or f- definitely favorite sports movie. Top two or three favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's such a purity in the game yeah. there. Yeah. It, it, but... When you take a kid's game and put it in the hands of adults, everything it stops being pure. Yeah, a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, you know, like the, the you, you go from a chubby catcher making fun of somebody's sister in left field to a cheating scandal and drugs are involved. Yeah, and, and electronics are involved, and there's just something sort of it, you just have to take a step back and go, well, this none of this has anything to do with why I enjoy sports, right? Like, I enjoy the competition. It's also why I don't care about the personalities of athletes very much because I'm not here for the drama. I'm here exactly. for the curveballs and the sliders and the fastballs and the stolen bases and, yeah. and the you know that 162 game grind and whatever. Absolutely, I, I don't. I really don't care about the cheating scandal. Is what I'm saying. I guess. Yeah. No. It I, doesn't matter to me at all. I have no self righteousness. I just want it to go away. Yeah, I hear that, man. I I hear it completely, and I I think. More than any other sport. And I, I get that all sports are about winning and losing, and it's a bottom line business. And if you don't win, you lose your job. I get that. But like baseball, more than any other, it's 
it's more about it just being there, you know, than than who wins and who loses. And it's why you and I can enjoy teams who aren't going to win the World Series, you know. And I mean, your team is a lot closer than mine is, but uh, I, I dare say, in the, but they weren't for a long time, and true. I was still a fan. That's true because you're you're a fan for a myriad of other reasons. And um, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I I, I think. The prevailing mood for me is always wanting these scandals to go away. But then, like, you flip on the TV for World Series coverage and all the talking heads on the pregame show were, like, the guys who have been arguably involved in the biggest scandals of our lifetimes, you know? Yeah. Um, you've got the the biggest cheater in the history of sports, Alex Rodriguez, next to Pete Rose, who was involved in the previous era's biggest scandal. I mean, it's laughable. You know, it's really interesting how... Uh, in. In in a worldly economy, there there seem to be no consequences, which is and one of one of the best video clips I've seen of the last maybe four or five years, baseball wise, is a sort of baseball analysis. Was the two guys you just mentioned? So we've got Cheater A and Cheater B, mm-hmm. you know, different eras, breaking down hitting. So you have Pete Rose and Alex Rodriguez, and I think it's sort of a it wasn't a it wasn't like a a, it was a kind of a between the scenes thing. Yeah. So you know they're they're there in their 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 dress shirts and their slacks, but not their suit coats, and they're talking about hitting and they're talking about reading pitchers, and it it has boiled it down to the things that I love about baseball, right? Which is two supremely talented people who worked incredibly hard to get to the top of the game, talking about how they succeeded and the finer points of it, and it was I mean it was almost poetic. Yeah. And then you take a step back and you're like, but we're not allowed to like these guys because one of them's you bet it on the game and the other one took drugs and lied about things. I'm yeah, like, I just, but they're, but they're the best, dude. Right? <laughs> and I mean, what what is TV if not like tacit permission to like someone? You know what I mean? Like by by putting someone on television, and you and I probably have a higher view of television because we grew up when it mattered. Um, yeah. as opposed to our kids who are growing up in a kind of post. The thing is, I think TV now is tacit summoning to hate someone. Oh, interesting. Like Talk the, about that. the hate, like the hate watching. Well, look, mm. think about the, the shit, like the, the move in, in any sort of reality television or the rise of YouTube stars. Yeah, dude, that's There's, true. The arc is always fame. Followed uh, by hatred. E- Fame followed by hatred, yeah. And that tipping point might be we're bored with them. It might be controversy. It might be something comes out about their past. But, like, we always tip from fame to hatred. And then then you let a decade go by, and then you're back as a nostalgic figure. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe not the YouTube stars. Hopefully, they don't come back. Right. Uh, I mean, hopefully, they come back in their personal lives and are great, but not famous. Um, But, yeah, I just – I think it shifted from – in the same way that, like, I think it's 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 similar to the shift in, in how we view larger institutions. You know, yeah. it used to be that, oh, he's the CEO of a large company. He must be good at his job. He must be reliable. He right. must be whatever. Now we see institutions and we're by and large sort of side-eye Yeah, we're skeptical. kind of sniffing and skeptical and, yeah. and eye-rolling about them. Yeah, for sure. And and I think, I think it's kind of like that. And so there's, yeah, there's sports maybe still probably has a little bit of the old school to it in the yeah. viewing. Uh, there's, there's less, I think there's less hatred in sports than there is in, in other parts of entertainment, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, it does seem a little bit, I, I, it, there's been a distinct shift in, in how we view, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, to me, this all goes back to if you're a Christian in that clubhouse, what's the role of your conscience? You know, where, where do you go? 
like I'll I'll do all these things, but I won't do that thing. You know what I'm saying? And then once that happens, uh, are you still accepted in the clubhouse? Do people still like sit by you on the bus? I mean, it, it, there, there's all these implications for it that um, that the casual fan may or may not ever see. But um, so yeah, if I'm a if I'm a pro baseball player who's a Christian in 1998, like, am I doing andro but not? human growth hormone you know what i'm saying because one is legal and the other isn't i mean it's just a really interesting and there's and there's such a difference between what is what is legal and what is right yeah you know that's right and what is what is spirit of the law what is letter of the law right and none none of which i'm again not trying to give permission to things but just trying to kind of look at it and go this is really fuzzy it is fuzzy and and i think it's an argument for the believer having a really sensitive conscience and walking closely with the Lord and scripture and prayer. And I mean, all the things that we would advocate for, for our kids and ourselves, even if they're not elite athletes. Um, you know, if I'm a Christian and I'm a pitcher in the seventies, like Gaylord Perry, am I like, am I rubbing KY jelly on the ball before I, before I go out onto the mound at age 45? You know, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's interesting in baseball. There's this ethic of if I can get away with it, it's okay. And that's been a prevailing ethic for years and years and years. But um, I think for the Christian, the standards are different. Um, and that's a that's a bummer at face value, right? I mean, it's one of those things that makes you go, yeah. yeah. So it's going to be – so you're telling me, Cluck, that it's going to be harder for me to make it. And I guess I guess I am kind of. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I think, I think there's – I don't think it's that different from – most other businesses yeah in that there are still some places where being ethical gets you ahead yeah but that's not even true in churches anymore oh across the board it's true in a lot of churches but how is it not true in churches i mean i agree but i want i just want to hear you talk um attendance numbers okay it's it's it had that churches has much to, more to do with impression than an ad, than actual like profit, mm, mm-hmm. but attendance numbers, baptism numbers, yeah. um, giving numbers, how we break down the budget, like what percent, what are we including in our missions budget so we can say we give X percent to missions. Yeah, you can fudge all sorts of things, right? To to make yourself look better, and so I think the yeah the the standard of. I'm going to walk fully in the light mm-hmm. with there's just no shadows here. There's no blurriness here. Yeah. It it puts you behind most places. Yeah. Man, that's it, that's true. It makes you stand out most places, mm-hmm. but it's it's pretty rare. I mean, when I worked at Lifeway, we Lifeway's <laughs> a super ethical company. Yeah. But I would talk with coworkers from time to time and we knew there were times we could you can you can fudge sales numbers. You can do sure. whatever. So if, if you're trying to close a deal with one company, you can fudge sales numbers about a product to to make it look more impressive. Yeah. Now I'm not aware of anybody doing that, but you look at it and you're like, I absolutely have the the capability to do this. Yeah. And nobody would ever know. Yeah. And and it and it would make us significant amounts of money in closing a deal. Like you can do that. Yeah. And it's. It's not that different than, you know, do I put a little, a little electric buzzer on my shoulder that goes twice if it's a curveball yeah. or whatever? Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And, I mean, it's those it's those little compromises, I guess, that, that really make me 
scared of the hardened heart over time. You know what I mean? So if I'm, if I'm making that compromise today, what am I going to be capable of in 10 years, I guess is the, the, the scary part for the believer. Um, so yeah, interesting stuff, man. And I, and I guess I, I don't need reasons to appreciate sports, but right. you know, for, for me, this is a, it's another reason to appreciate sports because it, it does kind of open up the moral conversation in your home. And, um, I mean, look, I've, I've got a kid who's an athlete and, you know, he's going to be making choices about how far he goes with certain, certain things. Right. And I mean, for me in the nineties and, and for him, probably nutritional supplements kind of blurring the line into, you know, when do I start tinkering with band stuff or do I ever start tinkering with it? That was always my biggest temptation, but, um, you know, there, it, it's good to have that conversation before you're in the moment, I guess is the point. And, um, yeah, I, I think, and I think that's probably where most people go wrong. So even, you know, faithful Christian athletes, it's that they, they, there's not a commitment to a standard in advance. So when the opportunity comes up to gain a competitive advantage and it's, and it's marginal, you know, it's an inch or it's a lighthearted thing like, Hey, we're going to bang the garbage can kind of thing to give you a a hint. We, I a hundred percent would have done that when I played high school baseball, you know, if you hear the fence rattle three times, <laughs> yeah, say, uh, yeah, you know, it's a slider or whatever, right? And 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 I wouldn't have thought anything of it, yeah, because that that doesn't that didn't feel like cheating. It felt like competitive advantage, yep. And you know what I mean? But but then you 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 do that three or four or five times, and and the competitive advantage inches into cheating, yeah. And so you have to have the thing in advance where you're like, no, this is just I have to play this one straight up, yeah. That's how my life must be lived, yeah, exactly, and it it sets us apart, right? And it sets us apart in ways that are uncomfortable, which is a reality of our lives as, as Christians in that we're, we're aliens and strangers here to some degree. And, uh, I just think it's a thing we don't talk about very much, you know? Um, but it's, it is good to talk about it. I think it's productive to talk about it. So pipe, as we, uh, as we draw our, our program to a close here, are we doing anything in the NBA yet? Do we care yet? My caring so, about the NBA, it always kicks in at kind of weird different times and it I have to I have yeah. to admit it hasn't kicked in yet. So I I kind of follow the NBA I kind of above the surface a little bit for the first part of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, so when when things when they when things spike, you know, huge performances, surprise superstars, teams that are doing unexpectedly well, yeah. you know, they jump high enough that they hit where I'm at. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not really following how the sixth man on the Clippers is doing right now. <laughs> yeah. Um that that will come. Yeah. But we're coming up on All-Star uh, season. So All-Star is a great tipping point because you start to get the debates about who should and shouldn't make the All-Star team, yeah. which are not fun because yeah. people are all arguing different things. But it's a good way to sort of aggregate who's doing well. Yeah. Okay. Who's doing well? And then you get the, the arguments about this guy should make it because his team is good. And you're like, okay, that team is doing well. Yeah. Uh, and so forth. So it's, it's a good kind of it, – it comes after the Super Bowl. Yep. And it's a good sort of second half of the season, slide into it, see how everything's going. So yeah, I'm I'm on the verge of it. Yeah, uh, I'm actually excited about this Super Bowl in terms of the game itself. Mm-hmm. I think it will be. I hope it's competitive. I'm. I think it will be fun. I agree. And and so yeah, I'm still kind of in football mode. Super Bowl happens. Pitchers and catchers report, which I don't really care about, but it does mean like 
spring is coming. It means it's coming. And, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel like pitchers and catchers reporting is like going to a restaurant and putting your name in and being told you have to wait an hour. <laughs> exactly. You know, you're like, well, I mean, we're on the list. Yeah, we're on the but list. Nothing we're, happened yet. We're we're technically excited about what's going to happen later, but um, but yeah, we're not. But I'm still hungry. I'm still yeah. starving. Yeah, for sure, for sure. My uh, yeah, my NBA caring hasn't kicked in yet, except that I'm really happy for Markel Fultz. Um, I'm I'm happy for the kid because he's finally playing well. Um, he closed out the Lakers the other night, which was fun. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's, he's back on trap. I, I don't, I don't know anything about the kid. I don't know if he's a good, a good guy or not, but, uh, just knowing his, his struggles after going number one overall a few years ago, yeah. it's fun to see him playing and it well. it sucks so bad when you see a guy just fall apart. Yeah. Like it's just, yeah. It's so terrible. So to see him begin, I mean, he's not the player everybody hoped he would be, but he's right. a real NBA player right now. Yep. And it seems like he's sort of incrementally rebuilding himself. So, yep. yeah, I I, uh, I kind of hope he I – ho- I mean, I really hope he keeps building. But, yeah, it's been fun to see him put it back together. Brandon Ingram's another fun young yep. player where sort of muddled along in those crappy Lakers teams. <laughs> yeah. Gets traded to New Orleans, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, he's – He's an all-star. The Pelicans have a terrible record, but I think they're going to be really good. Um, I've watched a few of their games. So they've they've gotten booked in all these kind of like primetime slots because of Zion, who hasn't played. But So they've been on TV a lot, and um, I think they're going to be a nice team um, eventually. They've been kind of fun to watch here in the, in the early part of the season. Pipe, any great sports reads for you? Anything you're reading or have read recently that's oh, been amazing? I'm trying to think. I don't I I've been so buried in writing recently. I'm trying to think if I've read much in the way of sports. Um let me go look real quick. Yeah. Do you have anything while I'm while I'm wasting the listener's time? Dude, yeah, Astro Ball, which is a really interesting read right now in light of Does it have a whole chapter on cheating? Everything that's gone down, it doesn't, but it's kind of like it's a to me it's a less charming money ball in the sense okay. that it, it's basically doing the same kind of breathless analytic isn't this awesome thing that Moneyball did, except that Moneyball was first with it and it did a better job of like sketching out characters just because I think the writer was a little bit better. Um, but yeah, Astro Ball, it takes a deep dive into the whole like, you know, Beltran being the the kind of father figure in the clubhouse and mm-hmm. Altuve and just all that stuff. And it, it's all very fascinating in light of what's what's come down, I guess. And um, the the central figure is the GM, and kind of how he built the front office around analytics. And um, that's interesting, too, because those guys have, by and large, taken the bullet for uh, for the whole deal. So um, Astro Ball, interesting read, not as good as Moneyball, but, um, but, but still, I think, of interest to baseball fans. Yeah, I've got nothing. No, it's okay. just I I haven't read a sports. I, I'm I'm scrolling back through books I've read, and I'm feeling guiltier and guiltier. And I'm like, maybe maybe this is why I've sort of I've sort of been in a reading drag where it feels like drudgery. And yeah. maybe it's because I haven't read sports books in a long time, dude. I'm, I have half a dozen sitting on my shelf waiting for me. I just haven't gotten to them. I'm doing novels right now. Have you ever Have you heard of a novel called The Interestings by Meg Wolitzer? I have not. It's pretty fascinating. It's um the first half of it was great. The second half is, it's a thing a lot of novelists do where it, it just turns into like 200 additional pages of exposition and mm-hmm. they stop doing the scenic character driven stuff that I like. But, but anyway, you, I think you would find it interesting on the level of, it's basically about people our age being jealous of their friends who have been a little bit more successful than them. 
So it follows this group of artists. So there was a like an animator, a writer, you know, a girl who wanted to direct plays, girl who wanted to be an actress, whatever. And they all went to this um, kind of swanky fine arts camp in upstate New York when they were kids. And the novel basically follows them through adolescence all the way up through like the age we are now kind of like middle adulthood and um you know different people's careers are popping or not popping and um it's not christian at all so it's it's really kind of bleak in terms of what happens when characters die and stuff like that but um but it is interesting on the level of like what do we do with our jealousy and what do we do with our ambition as we get older? And, um, I don't know. I think there would be something there for you to grab onto, but, um, I haven't finished it yet, so I can't like wholeheartedly endorse. Yeah. No, that, that sounds super fascinating. I did in, in looking back, I realized that towards the end of last year, I either reread or re listened to almost all of Pat Conroy's novels. Oh yeah. Who's, who's, uh, he's a favorite of mine. Um, I don't know if you've read any of his stuff, but, so he wrote Great Santini. He wrote um, Beach Music, The Water is Wide. I mean, he he, yeah. he probably wrote eight or so novels that are all – I mean, they're all just sort of powerhouse type novels. Yeah. But basketball plays really heavily in all of them. So he okay. was nice. – basketball is sort of his escape from a really miserable childhood. Uh-huh. Um, so there's one called My Losing Season. I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. But his – it's about his senior season playing at the Citadel. Mm-hmm. It's a memoir. Oh wow! And so, like in the '60s or so, yeah, yeah. And he was he was a real controversial figure at the Citadel. You know, it was a very sort of insular, yeah, um, military community. school, he, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, in South Carolina. So very racist, uh-huh. very southern, very very insular military. And he just sort of broke all the oh wow all the expectations. But yeah, my losing season's a great one. Um, Lords of Discipline is probably my favorite book of his. Um, which is also, it's a novel, but it's sort of autobiographical about his time at the Citadel and basketball features heavily in that one. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very cool, man. Yeah. You you should read Lords of Discipline. I think, uh, I, I don't know if you will like it. Yeah. Cause I don't, cause I don't know what novels you connect with best, but I think you would find it riveting one way or the other. I bet I would, man. I bet I would. I've enjoyed stuff like that in the past. Uh, well, Piper, we have done what we always do on this program in that we have wandered to and fro throughout some sports topics. Uh, we will record again after the Super Bowl. Uh, we have ex- exciting sponsor news to drop for the summer and kind of for the baseball season, which I'm, I'm pretty stoked about. Uh, yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun. It's going to be really fun, man. And until next time, Raheem Mostert. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Thank you. 
Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.